0: I love the talking guys show. I hear two guys talking. I hear two guys talking. I hear two guys
1: talking. I hear two guys talking. I
2: hear two guys
1: talking. I
2: hear, two, guys talking.
1: two guys talking. I hear. I hear two guys talking. Scams are one of the most dangerous threats today, especially when it comes to our elders. As the number of victims and money taken continues to skyrocket, realize that there is hope. ScammerCast is your frontline battlefield for getting educated on the most recent scams, but also how to defend against them. Join us as we detail the processes, the traps, and the solutions to help us all
3: hammer the scammers.
1: Hammer the scammers. It's time for the ScammerCast. Here are your hosts, Curtis Bailey and Art Maids.
4: Welcome back, everyone, to the ScammerCast. This is your co-host, Curtis Bailey. And this is your co host, Art Mains, and we are thrilled to be talking today with Mari Frank. She's an attorney, a mediator, and a certified information privacy professional practicing in the great state of California. Sponsored by Western Union and Midwest Trust. She was also one of the first people to invite me on her radio show after my book came out in the fall of 2012, so I am delighted that I can uh, reciprocate the favor, Mari, and welcome you to the ScammerCast.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me.
4: Tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into this work, your background, and everything that you would like our listeners to know about you.
2: Basically, I uh, have been an attorney for 30 years and I was an attorney for quite a long time when I got a phone call from a company that I had never heard of the bank of new york delaware asking me why i hadn't paid my eleven thousand dollar bill to them
3: and i thought it
2: was a scam you know i thought it was a phony phone call this is crazy i was ready to take my kids and go to the beach and then the woman said to me isn't this your social security number And then I asked her what she was looking at. She was looking at my Equifax TransUnion and TransUnion credit reports. And I went, oh, my goodness. You know, I didn't give her any information. She gave me information. And I subsequently found out that a woman that lived four hours north of where I live in California had stolen my identity. She was working in a law office as a secretary, and she had access to download credit reports. And she had seen my name in the legal newspaper for the state of California because I was at that time chairing a, a state bar committee and she was doing this not only to me but other people who she thought might have good credit then she'd see the credit report and then she started applying for credit under my name she got loans she got a car it was crazy because I started finding out about all sorts of companies and this is before there was any law in California or anywhere Making identity theft a crime. So I ended up being the kind of person I didn't want. I knew I was being victimized, but I didn't want to be a victim. I ended up writing the California statute making identity theft a crime. I ended up being going to the White House speaking at a press conference that was on CNN. I, I helped write and pass the federal legislation making identity theft a crime so the universe knew to choose me it was not an easy time (laughs) it took over 10 months to clean up my credit because it you know at that time no one believed me they said oh you're just trying to get out of paying your bill and that really wasn't the case so i i learned firsthand what it was what was happening and then i ended up becoming good friends with the privacy rights clearinghouse beth givens and when i searched the web the only place i found anything on identity theft was on their website and i found that the things that they were saying weren't working so i called them worked together with them to redo their 17a fact sheet and ended up being on their board and she every time the media would call she would say i have a, a good victim for you <laughs> wow. so i was on dateline 3 times 48 hours um O'Reilly Factor, Montel, dozens and dozens of shows trying to help people to know what to do. So then people would call my office from all over the country. So I ended up writing books that, because I could not, in my heart, you know, just charge these people. So I thought, well, I'll put together my first book was the Identity Theft Survival Kit that had, that still has a CD with legal letters so people wouldn't have to hire me. And then I ended up doing a PBS television special um, which was called Identity Theft, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. And I had a book called Safeguard Your Identity and then that Identity Theft Survival Kit and then also the DVD of the program. And then I got a call from Penguin asking me if I would write the complete idiot's guide to recovering from identity theft. So (laughs) that is what I've done, and I've been trying to help victims for many, many years, and tried to wean them from me by helping them just write their own letters. It, it is a arduous task.
4: Sure, sure. It really is.
5: Mari, I'm an attorney myself, and it's certainly <coughs> super scary to think that an individual working in a law office had the uh, notion to uh, steal your identity. What's the, Is there a postscript to that story? Whatever happened to her? Was she prosecuted? Oh, Never? Okay,
2: most of the time, I should tell you that only about 10% of the time do they ever find the perpetrators. That's why it's so easy. Right. I was relentless. I ended up scouring my credit report and saw the first place that she got a credit report from Georgia and here I live in California. Hmm. Long story short, she ended up doing a 6-month work furlough program. I did find her. The way I found her was calling the Ventura Police Department when I found out that the credit was going to a home in Ventura, California, which I told you was about 4 hours away. Mm-hmm. And so I called the Ventura Police Department and luckily, even though there was no crime making it identity theft, a crime the watch commander had just become a victim himself, so he wow. literally sent out one of his deputies to that address. She answered the door and said she used to know me. <laughs> I used to live there. <laughs> yeah. She made up this story. Right. They called me back. I said, no. They got a search warrant. They found a twenty two Beretta handgun in her in her oh, possession. Boy. They found checkbooks with my name. They found credit reports with my name. They found all sorts of credit cards with my name.
3: Wow, what a and, story, um, Mark. Yeah,
2: so, but all she did was a six-month work furlough program, but then she ended up getting caught for doing it for several other people. And by the way, she was a methamphetamine addict.
5: Okay.
2: Her father and her ex-husband were both cops.
3: Hmm. They Ooh, were boy. both
2: police, law enforcement. So it was a, a, a an intriguing thing. In fact, Dateline did this story, and the first time I ever saw what she looked like was when they had her mugshot on Dateline when they did my story.
5: Right, right.
4: <laughs> this is such a story. It wow. is.
5: And I think I think we have sort of a mental picture of what an identity thief looks like. And I'm not sure that I would have painted that picture that you just told us. <gasps> no, actually
2: she, she was tall, I'm short. She was tall, she was younger, she looked good, she had a beautiful handwriting by the way, which I don't. Um, <laughs> it was it was it was my evil twin. But it was interesting because I ended up kind of doing a thing i i always recommend not to do now i had a phone number for her home when i saw all the checks i was able to get copies of checks which was like pulling teeth sure. mm-hmm. um, of these checks that she wrote in my name and it had her phone number on it with my name and i called up and i ended up talking to her 12 year old daughter oh, and i didn't want to make her daughter feel bad or anything right, right. she said who is this and i said this is Marie frank is your mom home and she said, "Oh, we get a lot of mail for you." Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> Guess she did. Yes. yes. Wow. And
2: I and I ended up talking to her and then her mother called while I was on the phone with her and her mother made her get off the phone and then her mother told law enforcement at the time, "Tell her to leave me alone and she's invading my privacy." And I thought it was so ironic, you wow,
3: know. Oh, well. But,
2: you know, she did have a gun and then the the detective who was helping me said, "Don't call her." She was really mad, you know she's had guns, she knows how to use guns, so then I put an alarm <laughs> system on my house.
5: yeah yeah
2: it was it was a lot of intrigue but i but I have to tell you you know what I learned from all that from from dealing with law enforcement, from dealing with the credit bureaus, dealing with the different companies, dealing with legislation and the legislators. That it was an awakening for me that I could really help other people, be, and I think that's why it happened to me because I'm I'm one of those people that doesn't just freak out about it. I, I I say, well, okay, kind of in a spiritual way. Okay, God, why did you choose me? What am I yeah. supposed to do with this? You sure, know?
5: sure. Very similar to Art's story, helping his stepfather. I mean, right. it's like you were right. you
4: were meant to be there at the moment. Like you, I always try to turn it around and help other people with this stuff. So my my hats off to you, Mari. That's fantastic, yeah.
5: Mari. Yeah. How long? How long? I don't know if you kept time records, but how oh, long? Yeah. Do you, how long <laughs> did it take you to go through the recovery process?
2: It took me ten months working on it. Most of the time, I even had my secretary, my executive secretary, helping me, which was helpful. And I was kind of creating the past because remember at that time in 1996 this was a long time ago mm-hmm. there was no you know th- there weren't laws that were helping you the credit bureaus weren't helping you now we have a-, a protocol with the fair credit reporting act they've included the fair and accurate credit transaction act that included all sorts of stuff on identity theft that you know I feel happy that I was able to help with that so it took me 10 months I did clock almost 600 hours, because as an attorney, I'm used to clocking my time. Absolutely. So, yes.
5: We're very comfortable with that, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: So after after about two weeks, I said, wait a minute, this is not, you know, everybody said, oh, just call up, they'll believe you, you know, and, and that did not happen. I also realized if, if someone like me, who has a law degree, who has a master's degree, who is not a wallflower, if I can't get things going, then what about the ordinary mom or dad that's trying to work full-time and doesn't have the legal training and can't look up the the different laws and, and deal with law enforcement. That's when I knew that if it was that hard for me, it was going to be really hard for just people who don't have that training.
4: And that's why I always recommend your book to the audience's that I present to because you really encapsulate everything that a person needs to do, and it isn't that you make it easy, because it's not easy, and I don't think (laughs) it is even today, but you at least lay out the steps and make it accessible for people to do it step-by-step, and especially when you're dealing with an elder. A lot of seniors I know wouldn't know how to even begin this stuff, so it's going to fall to a family member or caregiver. And your book is really invaluable, so I, I really appreciate it. And, and that's
2: it. why I my identity theft survival kit and my victim to victor has a CD in the back of the book, so you just fill in the blank. You, you you know you put it. I had one guy who was ninety years old, and I had my secretary. You know, we sent him the CD with a book, and he called us, and we we explained him how to do everything we we kind of walked him through and then he could do it and and so he was able to you know he knew how to use a computer somewhat (laughs) but yeah at least yeah we did try to make it as easy as possible but you know there's a lot of new stuff going around especially with the advent of technology I think it's uh, people have no idea how their identity is stolen and it's even harder to find out now especially when you, we have these massive security breaches that you hear about that such a big you deal know, whether it's Nordstrom's or AT&T or whoever it is or, or Blue Cross whoever people are getting sensitive information but but also just like what happened to me I think people don't realize that you have malicious insiders mm-hmm. and companies or you have really negligent or unaware employees who are subject to and you know, social engineering, someone will come in the office and say, I'm supposed to fix your computer, could you move over for a while and then they steal everything?
5: <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So so I, Mari, for our listeners out there, what exactly is identity theft and how how does an imposter take your identity?
2: Good questions. First of all, let me tell you what it's not, because When your your credit card is abused, let's say you get a phone call from Chase Bank or American Express and, and they ask you if, you know, these were your charges or you get your credit statement and it's not right. That's credit card fraud. That's easy. That's covered by the Fair Credit Billing Act. All you have to do is call your credit card company and say, these are fraudulent charges and either if there's only one or two, they might take it off. If it looks like there's a lot, they'll cancel the card and send you overnight mail a new card. That's easy. You don't have to deal with that. You don't even really have to call law enforcement. What's really scary, though, is identity theft when someone is stealing your sensitive information, like your Social Security number, your bank account numbers, your ATM. They get all the information from your ATM, and they get your PIN numbers that's when they can do a lot more damage. And that is the you know, they can do everything from, let me give you some examples, what they can do. Because I've had people tell me all these things that I've helped them with. They can steal your identity to open up new credit cards and credit lines. That's a little bit different than just your own credit card. That's the difficult thing that I dealt with. it They can also go in and open up bank accounts and then put in, Uh, checks that aren't real then they try and take money out they'll take money out and then you have your check writing will will never work because they have now ruined your name with other banks Mm -hmm. they can steal your medical identity and therefore get medical help and then that could also possibly be something that could kill you if they get an operation which i've had this happen to many of my uh, victims that have called me where their blood type is different from someone else's blood type and that person's medical file says that you're, you know have blood type A and you have B. And if you get into an accident, that could be a life and death situation.
5: You've actually helped people who've been in that kind of situation.
2: Yes, yes, wow. where yes, their medical identity stuff has been stolen. Then I've had people call me where uh, one gentleman called me from San Diego, and he said he was injured very badly on a job, and he tried to get workers' comp, and they said, you can't get workers' comp because you're already getting it in Sacramento, California. Oh, okay, um Okay, government, and then you always hear about the IRS. <laughs> Somebody files a tax return in your name, and they get the refund, and yeah. then you get in, uh, have a big problem with the IRS. Or people work in your name, you get the IRS bill, and the IRS is after you for not paying your taxes, or the worst one, I think, is when someone, well, a couple of them, when someone commits a crime in your name, I, I've been helping a guy, uh, I helped him a little bit um, for about five years,
3: <laughs> a Nine lot, years. helped
2: him a lot for five years, and we finally were able to go, he lost his job that he worked at for seven years, because A criminal used his identity. Then they found out, and he had no idea about this. And he literally lost his job and never got it back, and he was out of work when he called me for Mm. just a couple years. And we finally, I, I got someone to help with a lawsuit, in his state. And it's been a mess for him. It still ruined his life to a great degree yeah. um, oh. because his credit got ruined because of it, because he couldn't get a job, and his wife had a miscarriage. It was just a disaster. And then, of course, you know from nine eleven, over half of the terrorists committed identity theft, and that is still happening. Terrorists are using identities of of citizens who are upstanding citizens in Saudi Arabia and other places. And I hear about this as a sheriff reserve in Orange County. I hear about a lot of this stuff, that the terrorism that's going on, a lot of it is identity theft. And a lot of it is also linked to drugs like methamphetamines, Those like what happened with my imposter. Usually when you think of identity theft, as opposed to other crimes, there are equal number of women and men committing that crime as opposed to many of the violent crimes Hmm. and part of that is because number one you're just using credit cards you're using credit lines you're you're using things that you have in your possession you never have to face your your victim sure and so that's that's a problem really and then the methamphetamine people are up all night I was on Montel, we were all flown to New York, there were three victims, and then I was serving as kind of the facilitator expert, and then there was another woman that joined us, and I said, oh, are you a victim too? She said, no, I'm an imposter. And she now has had certain evidence on other people that she worked with, a beautiful young woman in her 30s, with a, you know, with kids. And she needed the money. She wasn't getting child support. She got in with this gang. And what they would do is they'd do meth. They'd stay up all night. They'd go and they'd take, you know, the little postal stands on the corner where you put your mail in the mailbox. She was stealing those mailboxes with other people in the middle of the night, taking out all of the the mail, looking at the checks. Sometimes they would acid wash the name of the person, the recipient, and cash it but most of the time they wouldn't even do that. They would take the routing number and the account number, go to Office Max or Office Depot, get those software to make new checks. They'd make checks with that account number and routing number and siphon all the money out of these people's account, not even using their real name. Using a wow. name like one one of them was Mickey Mouse, Disneyland <laughs> USA, I swear.
3: Wow. But the banks
2: the banks don't look at those checks. They run them through the reader, and they don't even look, sure. and the money is siphoned out of the account. So,
5: wow. Uh, what wow. You mentioned earlier, it's, oftentimes it's the kind of crime that the victim doesn't know anything about for days, weeks, months, uh, conceivably years. So what are some of the telltale signs that you, your identity has been stolen, if there are any?
2: phone calls from companies yeah, right. that you yeah. never heard yeah. of. Yeah. But don't call the number that they're telling you because that might be fraud. Look up the number. That's what I did. I had never heard of the bank that called me. So at that time I looked it up and then I called the number and talked to a person that really, you know, I knew who it was. I, I also had an issue with the IRS where I thought that it was fraud. It really wasn't. But when I got the phone call, I immediately said, I'm going to call the number that I find on the web, and I'm going to use that. So that's one, one thing. You know, then the phishing emails, whenever you get something that's – or a phone call, or, or even a, a snail mail that looks like they're asking for information from you, double-check it. That's That's another thing to do. Obviously, if you can't cash a check at the grocery store and they tell you, no, your checks are bad, that's another telltale sign if you hear from your uh, credit card company that there's a problem, if it's just one or two things, you cancel the card, but it's still a good idea to check your credit reports. And you can get them for free at annualcreditreport.com. You can get each of the three credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, and you can get one every quarter if you wish. They're slightly different because... The smaller companies do not report to all three, they only report to one, but the big companies, Visa, Mastercard, things like that, they're going to report to all three credit bureaus. So that you can get for free.
4: Right. And I will note that we will have a link to annualcreditreport.com on the show notes for scammer. Okay. Great.
2: Great. Let me give you another link you should put on there and that is privacyrights.org. And that's a nonprofit that I told you I've been on the board. And they, if you look at Fact Sheet 17A for identity theft, when you get to Privacy Rights Clearinghouse, on the left is a column, and you can click on Identity Theft. And there are many free fact sheets that tell you what to do and phone numbers to call and those are good those I help them to put those together so that's all free for any consumer at all so that that's a good thing
4: thanks very much for that is there a particularly overlooked sign of of a potential identity theft situation like what is it that people miss when they're looking for possibly an identity theft situation
2: I'll tell you what's really unfortunate is you know you can get your credit reports and and you can find out about finance. You don't always know. It's, good. it's very hard to find out if someone has opened new accounts in another state. You're not going to know about that for a long time. You're really not going to know. You can do a Google search of your name. What I usually do is I have a Google alert for my name, so if something comes up, good idea. Um, I will I will see it. I'll put in Mari Frank, and then anytime my name is mentioned in something on the web, I'll get a, a little email and then I can look at it and see what they're saying about me. So that that's a little bit helpful, but that's really hard to know about that. It's also hard to know if somebody is working under your name until you hear from the IRS. It's also hard to know if somebody is getting workers' comp or some other benefit, disability benefit, until years later. You're not going to know about it. There's no central repository for that. Those are kind of – and criminal, um, you could be driving down the road and then um, you get stopped for speeding – or you get stopped for a headlight out and they run your name from your driver's license and they go, oh, hey, we're arresting you right now. There's a warrant for your arrest in Arkansas. You go, what? You know? <laughs> yeah,
3: Wow. So right. those
2: are really hard to know. And the easy ones are your credit. I mean, that's easy because that gets reported to the credit bureaus. It's a good idea to do a background check on yourself okay. to see what is lurking out on there, but it doesn't have everything. And, you know, there's a lot of credit monitoring services. And you can find out which are the best ones by going to Consumer Federation of America and then look at identity theft protection services. I'm on a task force that we put together best practices. But I don't know of any one of them that really covers everything. In other words, bank accounts that are opened up in your name, government benefit things that are that are lurking about you medical identity theft. I really don't know that. I think if any company was able to to put that together, it would be like Big Brother. It's
5: it's yeah.
3: it would yeah.
2: be helpful, but it's also scary that there would be a repository that then could be hacked.
5: Exactly. Sure.
2: So there's a benefit. I know I was wishing as I went through this and I've dealt with people who are victims of criminal identity theft. I have told them, we've got to get a criminal background check on you. And, and if you become a victim of criminal identity, theft, you have to go to law enforcement, give your fingerprints and make sure that they get the, you know, hopefully they have gotten the fingerprints of the perpetrator if he was arrested or she was arrested so that you can clear your name by saying, these aren't my fingerprints. But it is, regular credit card fraud is a piece of cake.
3: Yeah.
2: This other stuff is devastating and may never be cleared up because of the fact that even when you clear up records, there's so many copycats of these records, and you how do you find it, you know? Sure. How do you find it? And yeah. even if it's taken off on one site, it gets replicated. You know, you can't get this stuff off.
5: Yeah,
4: you've let the cattle out of the barn, right, as we say here in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a recommended resource for someone who may want to do a background search on themselves, like a favorite website or something?
2: Well, you know, you can go to um, at LexisNexis. There is, and let me see if I get it. There is a, the Federal Trade Commission, let me give you another website that you can find some resources. ftc.gov slash ID theft. Yes, That is a free website by the Federal Trade Commission. They have resources, and you are entitled, under the Fair and Accurate Credit Transaction Act law that was passed in 2003, you have access to one free consumer report from each of the consumer reporting agencies per year. Now, that's not just the three credit bureaus. It is other bureaus. That are the Medical Information Bureau. That's
3: miBcom
2: mm-hmm. dot There and a lot of these are listed at the FTC. gov slash id theft and also at that privacyrights.org. dot org. I could give you one other website, a couple other website. You can have the identitytheft.org, dot org, which is my one of my websites, and then there is ID Theft. Center org, which is another nonprofit that I was on their board as well, and they have a lot of fact sheets as well that are free for everybody.
4: I visited but, the Identity Theft Resource Center out in out near San Diego, and right. uh, oh boy, I can just tell you what terrific people! I, I met a number of their staff members, and uh, I was so impressed with, with the folks there at the Identity Theft Resource Center. So right, I'm, I'm not right, surprised yeah. that you're. I helped them to that. get
2: started way back in the uh the late 90s early 2000 yeah so it's really grown because this particular crime is so hard to to deal with because number one it it happens insidiously okay it happens very insidiously and I think when we we see some of these new trends, like the Internet of Things, where you know your refrigerator is going to talk to your car, is going right. to talk to your insurance company, <laughs> all of these different points of of reference have your sensitive data, and they can be hacked easily, or there can be a dirty insider. I don't see it going away very quickly because of the fact that we uh, we're still using the social security number. I think one of the things that may come up would be, you know, like an iris scan, like in Star Trek or something.
3: Right, Fingerprints,
2: right. that could change if you're in an accident or you burn yourself. So, my, I uh, mean, biometrics, you know, there, something's going to have to change, but I don't know.
4: It, I, I'm so impressed with my credit union anyway, and I noticed a couple of weeks ago that they started offering an iris scan as a login option mm-hmm. for the app on my iPhone. And I just thought, wow, lots of kudos to uh, good old Community America Credit Union out of Kansas City. They <laughs> wow. are right at the forefront of technology, so I want to give a shout-out to but Community you have America. To,
2: okay, there's a caveat with that, okay? okay? Because if that sensitive data is stolen and that is used to get into your account by someone else, that they, rep, you know, they can somehow replicate it, which the technology is crazy. There is that worry as well as somebody being able to hack that and use that in some other way. Mm. And hack into your phone or, or what whatever. So the other thing is is there's I've read a lot about biometrics and then they don't know about the effect on your eyes. Biometrics is um it's been used a lot with NASA and, and the FBI and all that. So it, there's just it's just it's not clear what all the ramifications might be. I think it's a good idea. I think I'd rather at this point give my thumbprint like I put on my iPhone. I'd rather do that. I, I as a sheriff reserve, I have to give all ten digits every, every three years. I have to do a background check to stay and be, you know to stay in the sheriff's department. There are caveats with everything, you know, there's always this dark side that we have to worry about if that information is somehow hacked and is able to be used to get into your account. Uh, I don't mean to scare
4: you. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. There are no hack-free or, or systems that cannot be hacked. Let's it, say that. That's, exactly. right. that's right. right. Exactly. just want to
5: remind everyone we're visiting with Mari Frank. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Mari more about her book and her uh, common sense recommendations on how to protect yourself if you are interested and also what to do if you ever have your identity stolen.
1: It's time to take a break during this episode of the Scammercast. Have you liked our effort on Facebook? Visit the link via our website at scammercast.com. And be sure to share any of our informative articles with your friends and family. It's all about education and protecting our seniors. We'll be right back.
0: A recent study found that most older adults fear running out of money during their retirement years even more than their fear of death. A trust can be an effective way to manage and protect your assets while you're alive. Now, many folks believe that trusts are only for rich people. They are not. Midwest Trust Company of Missouri, located in Clayton, Missouri, offers professional trust management for clients all across the country. Using Midwest Trust is a great way to know that someone with experience and integrity will manage your wealth objectively. Naming Midwest Trust can provide you with peace of mind in knowing that you or your parents will not be exploited financially and lose all of the assets acquired during a lifetime of hard work. Midwest Trust will even work with you or your parents' own financial advisor. Don't let fear of running out of money drive your life. Contact Midwest Trust Company today by visiting the link to their website at scammercast.com. The Discipline to Grow. The strength of experience. The ability to adapt. Values that endure. Midwest Trust.
5: There was a day when the villain was easy to spot. These days are different. Today, scammers impersonate their victim's loved ones and make up an urgent situation. I've been arrested. I've been mugged. I'm in the hospital. And plead for money to resolve it. At Western Union, we want to help. We remind you to never send money to people you haven't met in person and always verify before you send. You work hard for your money. Don't let a few minutes with a scammer separate you from what's taken days, weeks, or even a lifetime to work for. Western Union. Move money for better.
0: Join in a unique, interactive experience as we put you inside the mind and heart of the law enforcement professional and delve into the culture of policing. Hi, I'm Mike Wilkerson from the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, where I've reviewed hundreds of police procedural television programs and movies. But the question remains, does Hollywood get it right? What does it really feel like when you search for a suspect inside an abandoned building? The fear, the adrenaline, the unknown. Law enforcement training for the arts, or LITA, is an experience like no other. Fingerprints, ballistics, DNA. Our team of professionals have numerous years in law enforcement to include those with experience in the United States Secret Service, the US Attorney's Office, the FBI, the United States military, along with other local, state, and federal entities. Our unique facilities offer the same interactive courses that the police themselves use to train. This will be an experience of a lifetime that you'll never forget. Check out the details now at letaconference.com. That's l e t a conference.com and sign up for the upcoming convention. Seats are limited, but we're eager to see you behind the thin blue line. letaconference.com leta Go Behind the Badge
1: Welcome back to Scammercast, your headquarters for the education and prevention of scams against our elders. Let's dig back in with your hosts, Curtis Bailey and Art Mainz.
4: Hi
5: everyone, this is Curtis Bailey, your co-host here at ScammerCast, and we're visiting today with
4: privacy expert Mari Frank. And this is Art Mains, your other co-host on the ScammerCast, and we have been hearing some great information from Mari Frank today. And so Mari, as we turn our attention now to the current world of identity theft and, and all of the things that are going on, what are your thoughts about the world of data breaches and how people can keep themselves safe from that?
2: Well, I think data breaches are, are far beyond what our control. When you give your sensitive information to your bank, which you have to, right? You have to give them their Social Security number so that they can give you a 1099 at the end of the year. Right. They have your account numbers, right? When you give your information to your doctor, it goes into electronic files now, right?
4: Exactly. So,
2: the, I mean, we have – we're really at, at the mercy of – of what kinds of protections these companies have that we give things to. My insurance company, my doctor, my dentist, everybody has my sensitive data. If they don't protect it, then, of course, it's subject to either outsiders that are malicious. You know, we've heard about even China goes in and and got all those government people's (laughs) identity information. You, You know, I mean, that was like millions and millions of government employees. We've heard about that all over the place so in terms of what you personally can do about when it's beyond your control is nothing okay you know the bad guys or the malicious inside employees or the uh, negligent employees from losing your data or whatever that's something that you just have to say to yourself I can't do anything about however what you can do is to be vigilant about what you do and Really be very careful when you're either on your iPhone to, you know, when it says, do you want to share this, say no. You know, Mm. when you're on your computer and, and they want to access certain information, you say no. You do whatever you can to limit the information, and then you stay vigilant about looking at your credit reports a few times a year or getting credit monitoring if you wish Do a Google alert on your name put your name in there I have Mari Frank Mari J Frank Mari J Frank Esquire and I have those all I set those up in Google as a Google alert so anytime my name comes up I see it I do a background check on myself at least once a year to see what might be out there and I I look at the privacy policies and I'm very careful about putting up those privacy policies and and reading them carefully and you know opting out of a lot of things. And the same thing on on my iPhone and you know I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, but um I'm very careful about what I put up on you know on Facebook. I'll put pictures of my dog and stuff like that.
3: Right. right. Yeah, but
2: yeah. um yeah, we have to be careful and I'm I'm probably not even as cautious as I said, but it's funny because my paralegal that works for me has, doesn't even put up anything on her Facebook. She's only on there so she could go look at her friend's stuff.
5: Right, so
3: right. She's
2: better than me, you right. know?
5: Mari, but- you know, so many seniors are scared of the Internet. They're scared of the technology. I was at a uh, identity theft presentation uh, just recently, and a senior stood up and said, I, I will not get online. I will not get a computer. I'll write checks. I'll, I'll stay with cash. What do, you, what do you say to people that are so fearful of the technology that they just don't engage with it?
2: Well, you know, I've done programs for seniors as well. We did a big fraud fest at this whole senior community, and there were about 500 seniors in there, and, and I heard the same thing. And what I tell them is, it doesn't matter if you're on, your name is on there. You're on there whether you go on there or not. So you're better off going on there to see what's on there. And when they say to me, Mari, I'd rather write checks, then I really freak out because (laughs) I very rarely write a check. What I do is I go on and I do online banking. Now, let me explain what I mean by online banking. My bank already has my sensitive information, right? They have my account number. They have my Social Security number. They have everything. So I go into my bank, and I set up... From my bank to pay my credit cards, to pay my utilities, my mortgage, everything. Okay? So, even vendors, even my gardener gets paid through my online banking. So, I go in and I set it up to pay, and I don't give my sensitive data to every company that they just pull it from mine. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I initiate it from my account not giving that information to the various banks, credit card companies, that they just siphon it out. Because then I am exposing my sensitive data to more people. So when you write a check and you put it in the mail, remember when I told you about the lady that was the identity thief a mm-hmm. little while ago? Sure. She was stealing checks from from the postal boxes and writing checks from the account number and the ac- and the routing number. So when someone tells me I prefer to write checks, I tell them, well, you're exposing yourself to more chance of fraud where the money can be siphoned out of your account than if you set up online banking and you initiate from your own account.
4: That's wow. Good advice. That's yeah, very good advice. Yeah.
5: So, so Murray, you've, we've talked a lot today about the threats that are out there and steps that people can take to do as much as they can anyway to protect themselves. Let's talk now about what a, an individual can do that is a victim of identity theft, and I know that you've addressed that in your books.
2: Yes, yes. Okay, so there's various types of identity theft, and you do certain things for certain types. First of all, for anyone who has the credit card fraud and it's your credit card Just breathe easy, call your credit card company, tell them, and they may ask you to just do a little affidavit, but you're never going to be held responsible for anything that's fraudulent on a credit card. Not the same with a debit card, okay? First of all, I feel very strongly that you should never have a debit card in your possession. A debit card can be used online, by phone, by fax, by anyone without a pin. Okay, so I have a regular ATM card that does not have that Visa Mastercard logo on it, right. and I can go anywhere in the world and get money out of an ATM machine, but no one can use it like a credit card to siphon out the money out of my account. And I can't tell you how many people have told me horror stories that they couldn't get their money back after it was siphoned out with by using their their debit card, I'm they still had the debit card in their possession, remember. Mm-hmm. It just was used, the number was used without a pin. It's not a good idea to have a debit card at all. Okay? Never a good idea. So what Yet, should it, what should people it, it,
5: ask for at the bank? When they when they go to the bank and the bank says, Here we have this wonderful debit card, they should say no, but what should they I ask want, for? I
2: want a I want a regular ATM card instead. I can't tell you how many times the Bank of America tries to send me a debit card <laughs> and I go and finally after the last 2 years they they only give me my ATM card. It looks just like a debit card but it's missing the Visa Mastercard logo. So it could never be used as a credit for gotcha. you know like credit card. That is I feel safer because that can only be used with a pin. Now people will say to me, "Well, Mari, You know, I think the safest thing to always use, by the way, is a credit card. I use credit card for everything. I get cash back. I have like a Citibank double cash back, which is great. The money comes back and goes back into my account. So I really believe in having enough credit cards. You should have three to five credit cards. Use a little bit on each and your credit score will soar. I believe, let's say you have bad credit and you can't get a credit card. You can get what they call a prepaid credit card, and that's how to build your credit. Go to creditcards.com or bankrate.com, and you can compare them, all the different credit cards, and and you can end up building your credit by getting a prepaid credit card. I mean, I did that with my daughter after she didn't listen to me and, and took her debit card when she was in college and got all of her money stolen, and I had to Begged the bank to get it back to her. Now she'll just use credit cards, and she <laughs> made become, a believer out of her. <laughs> yeah, she. Well, she ended up. You know, she learned the lesson, and yeah. so I. Every time I've told someone to do it, and then they end up having fraud, they're going, "Oh Mari, I should have listened to you." And I go. Yeah, they push these debit cards on
4: you, so don't use a debit card. That's great. That's great. What
5: what do you think or have you seen uh, monitored credit cards? For instance, with maybe a senior uh, who's living alone, has an adult child that's helping him or her with her finances, what are your feelings about monitored credit cards where the child gets alerts for various transactions?
2: Well, I think if there is permission, unless, let's say, you have a parent that has dementia, and I think it's a very good idea when your parents get older to get a power of attorney and, and so that you don't have to get a guardianship later, right. you know, because that's a whole court thing and it costs a fortune. See if you can work with your elderly family members and then yeah, I mean, it's a good idea to have checks and balances. So, if you're going to use if a if a child is going to use a credit card for the parent, you know, maybe to shop for them or get groceries or whatever it is, there should be another sibling overlooking it because it's too easy for that sibling to kind of take advantage and I've seen that happen as well and that's that's pretty horrible. I've that's even really seen awful. John Jr. steal the identity of John Sr., which is yeah. really a tough one. That's tough. Yeah. stuff. Yeah,
5: it is. As an elder law attorney, uh, from time to time, I'm kind of thrust into those situations when clients come and they're being exploited by a family member, and, yeah, it is just heartbreaking. Yeah.
2: Let me go back to your question that I was starting to answer, but I really didn't get through it when I was. you had asked me yeah. about what you do if it happens to you. Let me just give you a, a few things, and then I want you to go to that privacyrights.org, click on identity theft on the left-hand column, and then go to fact sheet 17A. And the reason I want you to do that is because there's so many steps that they're all right there. I help them write that. We put Mm -hmm. that together and we update it. So that tells you everything, who to call, what to do, exactly how to go about it. That fact sheet is just all like one through, there's like three pages of what to do, but let me just tell you the first things you do if it 's credit card, you call up your credit card company if it 's your debit card, you must or or let 's say someone uh, there 's an electronic transfer that you see by the way, another really important thing set up bank alerts for your own bank. Every bank has it, so every time there is an electronic transfer for a payment, for example, I get an alert. If I don't recognize it then I can call the bank. If I recognize it I just delete it. Mm. Every time there is something that comes out, I am aware of it. So I can tell them because you have first of all, you must tell them within 60 days, but you're going to lose money right away. All the money will be siphoned out of your account if you don't tell them right away. So you want to know immediately. I have it I get a text and I get an email, okay? So I know if something is going on, I immediately call the bank. I say, stop payment on that, or this is fraud, and I'm telling you right away, you must tell them within two days or you have a chance of never getting that money back. Wow. So that's huge to set up alerts, okay? Okay. So so getting back to what do you do, if you do see something If you've gotten an alert or you see your statement, which, by the way, a lot of people don't even look at their statements, look at your credit card statement always with a fine-tooth comb. Same thing with your bank statement. Look at it very carefully. Anything that you see out of line that you don't recognize, you got to call right away and find out what it is and immediately notify. So that's that's a really important thing. So then get your credit reports. If someone calls and says, you're no longer going to be able to use your checks, or you go and you try and use a check at the grocery store, which I don't even like you to do anyway. I'd rather have you use your credit card and get cash back. <laughs> but right, let's say sure. you do use it and they tell you, I'm sorry, your checks are bad. You need to immediately, there is a check bureau that is on that privacy rights clearinghouse that tells you how to contact them and what to do, and they have to tell you at the grocery store or wherever that your check is going to, is not going to be accepted. So that's why I'm saying a credit card is the safest thing to do. Okay. Um, so if, if it's medical identity theft, and you find out from what you – a lot of people don't look at those statements you get from your – I have Blue Shield, for example, and they are a pain to read.
4: You yeah, know? these are those they, explanation of benefit statements, what they yeah, call an EOB. Yeah, those right. are
2: such a pain to read. It, it takes me forever to figure out what's what. And Medicare isn't any better, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so so you you need to look at those, though. And if you don't understand it, call. There's a number on all those to call. Because if somebody is using your identity and they're getting medical benefits, you got to know about that right away. And it's not easy to clear up those records in fact, they don't want to clear up those records. So that's another thing. If it's a criminal identity theft, you find out that maybe you're arrested or something. You got to give your fingerprints right away. You got to go and we have a fact sheet in that privacy rights clearing us on one just for criminal identity theft. California is a little easier because I help write a law that actually gives you a whole protocol, but that's not this case in most other states. So you need to look at what we wrote at that privacy rights clearinghouse if you're the victim of criminal identity theft or, or terrorism. Those are all included on there, and there's so many steps in my book, Victim to Victor, the Step-by-Step Guide for Ending the Nightmare of Identity Theft, we have legal letters for all those, even for IRS. You have to deal with the IRS differently. Also, the complete idiot guide to recovering from identity theft. I have that list. Also, the just the the basics are at idtheftcenter.org dot org and privacyrights.org dot org and FTC dot gov slash idtheft. So they're they're giving you overall what to do. But if you really get stuck and it's horrible. Then you could call my office, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and then we'll 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 raise hell. But um, <laughs>
4: <laughs> good.
2: But you know,
4: I would want you working you, for me. <laughs>
2: yeah, but but basically, that should really help you quite a bit. And and you know what? Sometimes even getting an attorney in your state, they they are you know you have you might want to go to the media. You might want to just go to your senators and or your Congress people because this is. A, something crazy, if it's a real crazy identity theft, and you go to law enforcement and they won't take a police report because they think, I don't want, this is a problem. They'll say, I don't want to um, take a police report because then I have to investigate, and it's Mm. so hard to investigate. Tell them, tell them, you don't have to investigate, just give me an informational report so I can clean up my credit, because without a police report... The credit bureaus will not remove the documentation that's mm. fraudulent. So you must get a police report. If you can't get a police report and it's they use the bails, you can go to your postal inspector. You can go to the, the FBI and the Secret Service also will give a report, but only if the loss is 200000 or more. Right.
3: Okay. So
2: you really want to go to your local law enforcement agency if they won't take a report. Now, California, they're pretty good, but even some places in California, they're not We have very good laws here, but if you're in a state that is a state that the law enforcement doesn't really seem to give a darn, you call their chief of police, you refer them to the websites I told you, you tell them that you'll report them to the Federal Trade Commission, you are entitled to a police report. You're not necessarily entitled to an investigation because they're going to put murder and rape above identity right. theft which is totally understandable
5: sure, sure yeah understood definitely
4: now are there any new identity theft schemes that you've heard about through your radio show or elsewhere that you'd like our listeners to be aware of sometimes yeah, there's new I twists. think the,
2: the scary some of the scary stuff that's going on is well we're all hearing about the internet of things which is You know, your car is listening to you. Those people who have OnStar, Mm -hmm. sometimes OnStar will go on and they can get other information about you for privacy invasions. I am very worried about drones. Drones can be the size of an insect Mm. that can come into your home. You leave your door open and a drone can come in and can look at things. You know, that's Mm. it sounds crazy, but they can watch over you at work. I'm worried about drones because I think it's so insidious that it can get into your backyard, it can get in anywhere. The internet of things with everything that you have, for example, you know, I'm sitting here with my new Surface Pro in front of me and it it's got a, you know a uh, video thing that can turn on by itself.
5: <laughs> right, right. It, we had uh, I mean? we had a guest on previously, Mark Goodman, who has written a, a book just talking about those things and the ways technology, even though they are a benefit, there are some certain serious risks
4: that I think we as a society have to face. And I would recommend that our listeners uh, go check out that episode with Mark Goodman for some really good, uh, important information about the coming stuff. So be sure to check that out at scammercast.com.
2: You know, for some people who, who don't even realize, like if you have a smart meter on your house, I fought that for months. (laughs) <laughs> I was the only one on my block that wouldn't let the uh, San Diego Gas and Electric put a put a uh, a smart meter on my house. I mean that <laughs> that is uh, crazy. But then they finally worked with the uh, privacy uh, commissioner of of uh, Canada, and I'm one of their ambassadors, a the privacy ambassador, and and she literally came to San Diego, and they put in some privacy policies that I finally agreed to do it. But I don't even like that. You know, because they can find out when you're not home, they can break into your house. You know, if you're not using your electric and and some dirty insider knows that, they can break into your house, steal things. So that's another thing. Even in your house, lock up things in locked drawers. You know, you're sensitive. Mm -hmm. Don't leave stuff out. Same thing at your office. Uh, Don't expect... That um, people can't uh, look over your shoulder or see things, and mm-hmm. even using a privacy screen on your computers when you're on on an airplane. Mm-hmm. I use a 3M privacy screener on my laptop on my iPhone six plus. What? Wow. yeah because people can can look and see what you 're doing and see sensitive data and anything you keep on your computer keep it if it's sensitive, keep it encrypted. You can easily encrypt in word or in adobe it's very important that you encrypt what you have that's sensitive data and don't leave things around and and the r- bottom line is be vigilant, but some things it is what it is you that's know it. i can't <laughs>
5: uh, that's that's a that's a perfect way to sum it up be vigilant. <laughs> Be careful, but sometimes it's just going to be out of your complete control. So, right. Mari, where yeah. can where can our listeners find out more about you? Find out uh, about your books.
2: They can go to identitytheft. dot org. O r g. They can also listen to my radio show for free, uh, and we deal with all these issues, all sorts of identity theft and privacy issues and technology and ashley madison and surveillance and drones at kuci.org slash privacy piracy all of my interviews are archived there but they can listen live on um, kuci.org on monday mornings california time eight to eight thirty
4: and people can even hear my archived show from (laughs) that was probably what early 2013 or something like that
2: Yeah, well, you're up there, so you're on that website, so they can search for you on my website. I don't remember the exact date, but, yeah, that was a fun interview, Art.
4: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So thank you very much, Mari. We really appreciate your time and your information, and you have such a wealth of knowledge about this area. I think it would be fun to have you back again in the future and uh, go over more of this stuff and maybe go even a little bit deeper into how we can think about and protect ourselves from identity theft.
2: Yeah, and I hate to scare everybody. It's okay. You're going to get through it if it happens to you, and if you get really stuck, give us a call. Thanks, Art, and a great meeting you too, Kurt, by phone. I wish you guys the best. Keep up the great work with your show.
5: Thank you so much, Mari. I want to encourage all of our listeners to... Go to our website, ScammerCast.com, where we will post all of the links and the resources. And boy, there's going to be a lot of That's them on this week's, uh, uh, episode. Uh, also, though, we want to encourage you. Uh, let us know your thoughts, your ideas, your experiences, what uh, identity theft... Uh, problems you've seen out there, and let
4: us uh, help spread the word. And if you like our show here at scammercast.com, please tell a friend, tell your colleagues, tell your family members. We are really eager to get the word out here about effective scam recognition and prevention so that we give you the tools and knowledge you need to hammer the scammers.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Scammercast your headquarters for education and protection of our elderly from scams worldwide. Be sure to visit us at scammercast.com, where you can send us your stories and tips, as well as send us your feedback, visit our Facebook presence, and more. Thank you for listening to this episode, and until next time, hammer the scammers. The information
0: we share in this podcast is meant for informational and educational purposes only and should never substitute for appropriate legal, financial, or medical advice from qualified professionals. Always consult with an attorney, physician, or financial professional for the correct advice for your particular situation.